Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Happy New Year to everybody. We didn't have a show on New Year's Day, so I'm wishing you would be elated. Happy New Year. It, it 19, uh, 2023 was a great year for me personally, family matters and friends and all of that, but a, a terrible year for the world, a terrible year certainly for um, the Jewish people in Israel having suffered so much from anti-Semitism when you just compare uh, the reaction when Israel was attacked and 1,200 people were murdered, raped, beheaded, and 250 people were kidnapped. Um, so many people attacked Israel even before they sent a single uh, soldier into Gaza. Compare that to what happened to George when George Floyd was killed. One person under controversial circumstances. Um, the world gathered around George uh, Floyd and gathered around the black community. Uh, nobody blamed uh, the black community for George Floyd's killing. Uh, but when it came to uh, to um, Israel, the National Lawyers Guild blamed Israel. Thirty three Harvard groups blamed Israel. Norman Finkelstein said it warmed every part of his heart to see these people being murdered. So uh, not a good year, not a good year for principle, for America, for Israel. But uh, let's hope next year is a, a better year uh, for the world and um, for principles of of democracy. It's going to be a very important year because obviously we're having an election. I hope we're having an election. Uh, uh, there won't be a real election if uh, Trump is kept off the ballot in uh, um, uh, Colorado or or Maine or any of the other states that are trying to keep him off the ballot. It'll only be a re-election if uh, he can run in every state, and um, then people can vote either for him, as many of you will, or against him, as um, I plan to, though I'm never sure until the last minute. Um, so we'll we'll look forward to. Uh, to a better year. It will be an interesting year. The Chinese curse me who live in interesting times has certainly afflicted all of us. We live in, in interesting times, no matter what uh, party we uh, identify with, uh, religion or non-religion we identify with, we live in interesting times. Well, an interesting thing happened today uh, at Harvard. Uh, President Gay um, finally um, uh, resigned. Um, had she been um, um, not a person of the DEI uh, background. Um, um, probably she would have been forced to re resign earlier um, as the president of Penn was forced to resign earlier. But finally, it seems from what I've heard, at least some people on the Harvard Corporation could no longer stand by her with these allegations of, uh, of plagiarism. Um, for me, it was not the plagiarism that really did it, although it was a part. It was her inability to answer from the heart when asked questions um, uh, by um, Congresswoman Sapanek, also a Harvard graduate. Um, she just didn't, didn't know how to handle herself. And, you know, the, the two issues, plagiarism and her inability to answer, worked hand in hand. They, they, they proved that 
she doesn't have an internal clock. I mean, when you watched her testify, clearly it was scripted. It was written by lawyers. It didn't come from the heart. And 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 apparently when she wrote her acknowledgments, uh, thanking the people who helped her in the thesis, she even cribbed that and, and, and borrowed it. There was a, a humorous piece today in which somebody went through her letter of resignation and found points they claim were plagiarized by the resignation of uh, this person and that person over the years. It was a spoof, but it was pretty, it was pretty funny when you start laughing at people that way. It's hard to have them in positions of, of great authority like the presidency of Harvard. But it's good for Harvard that she's no longer president. It's good for universities around the country. It will send a powerful message, I think. Um, but uh, at this point, it's a limited good unless we take it to the next step. And the next step has to be the complete and total dismantling of the DEI bureaucracy. Uh, that's the bureaucracy that says we need diversity, but it can only be diversity of skin color. The last thing we want in the world is diversity of ideas. Oh, my God. You you're actually want to bring religious Christians onto the campus, people who oppose a woman's right to choose, people who oppose gay marriage, people who support open gun laws, people who want um, a more conservative spring. You actually want them to come and, 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 and pollute the minds of Harvard students? No, no, that's not diversity. Diversity just means counting the number of minorities in any given class, no matter what their views are. That's what diversity is indeed. Uh, President Gay, when she was dean of the uh, college um, was instrumental in firing two black professors. Uh, one as a dean of uh, one of the colleges because he had the chutzpah, oh my God, to represent an unpopular defendant. Um, uh, Harvey Weinstein and uh, some of the kids in the house said, oh, we're afraid, we, we're frightened. Um, we, we don't feel safe if you are a lawyer who represented somebody. He had previously represented a guy who had committed two murders. No, no, no problem there. But Harvey Weinstein, no, 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 we can't deal with the dean. We'll, we're, we're, we're frightened. Uh, we're not safe. If, if, if a lawyer, they wouldn't feel safe if John Adams had uh, been the master or the, the dean of their, of their house. But President Kay, when she was dean, got rid of him as the master um, uh, or the, the dean of the house and also suspended um, um, uh, Professor Fryer, who was another African-American professor who uh, flew in the face of the consensus. Um, uh, he had done research demonstrating that uh, in at least the cities he studied, um, uh, white policemen or policemen in general were at least as likely to shoot white defendants as black defendants, that race didn't seem to play a major role and boy, that was blasphemy. And um, uh, then there were other charges against him, which probably wouldn't have stood the test had he not been a controversial conservative black professor and he got suspended. Uh, where, where was the First Amendment in those cases? Uh, President Gate had never heard of the First Amendment until it was used to defend Jew haters. Uh, but when she's asked, is it okay under the First Amendment? They didn't use the First Amendment, but is it okay? Uh, would it violate Harvard's rules if um, somebody called for genocide of the Jews? Well, on the one hand, on the other hand, context, free speech, First Amendment. You know, 
First Amendment for me, but not for thee. She handled herself so poorly. And now she and people online are saying, oh, it was racist, firing her was racist. No, it wasn't. It was incompetence. It was her failure to do the job right, her failure to be a good president of Harvard. Um, she would have had the same result had she been a white male who made the same mistakes and had the same plagiarism charges against her. So, in fact, calling it racist is racist. Um, there was nothing racist about the decision um, to um, have her resign. Uh, it was on the merits. Uh, she failed the test of meritocracy. And meritocracy, of course, is a dirty word uh, when it comes to um, um, DEI or when it comes to intersectionality. And intersectionality, the world's divided into two groups, oppressed and oppressors. And if you're an oppressor, which means if you're white, if you're Jewish, if you're male, if you're Christian, um, you're an oppressor. And if you're a Palestinian or a member of some other groups, you're the oppressed. And uh, once you divide the world into those categories, it becomes a zero-sum game. And social justice for one group becomes social injustice for another group. That's why it's so important to get rid of DEI. DEI has been the breeding ground of anti-Semitism. Because when you divide the world that way and you say that there are oppressors and the oppressors are white Jews, uh, even though probably half the Jews in the world are, are people of color, certainly in Israel they are, uh, people who come from North Africa and are Sephardim and um, come from countries that are Arabic. And uh, um, But they're oppressors if they're Jews. And so it's the very cause that President Gay so closely identified with, or former President Gay, so closely identified with that was the breeding ground for anti-Semitism. So there was a close association between, you know, how she became president and the whole DEI bureaucracy and how she answered the question about hate speech directed against Jews and Jewish genocide. So it's a good thing for Harvard. It's a good thing for universities in general. It's a good thing for, for the United States, a good thing for the world that she's no longer president. But if it stops there, it will only be a symbolic uh, gesture. Um, if, for example, another DEI person is appointed as president, maybe it'll be worse. We don't know. Right now, they have an interim president who's a, a very, very meritocratic appointee. I know him. Uh, he's a very distinguished uh, doctor and economist. And uh, he's done a good job as provost. But he's only temporary. And uh, the corporation, which it was said is answerable only to God, has discovered something interesting. No, you know, we have a system in this country of checks and balances. It's the envy of the world. Montesquieu may have developed it, but America perfected it. And our Constitution, the most important part of our Constitution, is not the Bill of Rights. Uh, Hamilton made that point very clear. The most important part of our Constitution is the structure of separation of powers and checks and balances. And you all learn in civics, checks and balances means the legislature, the executive, and the judiciary, they each check each other. That's an incomplete story. What we have in our country, which is so magnificent, is a system of checks and balances that transcends politics and government. We have the media checking and balancing. We have the academy checking and balancing. We have alumni checking and balancing. The alumni played a major role in the resignation of gay. 
We have students who serve as checks and balances. We have corporations who serve as checks and balances. There are so many checks and balances in our system that no one is above accountability. People are above the law. Constitution puts people above the law. Senators and congressmen can break the law with impunity. Uh, the judiciary can break the law with impunity. And we'll learn soon whether the president has any kind of immunity as well. But people are above the law under our constitution, but they are not above accountability. And that's the key. And Harvard learned a lesson. No, the corporation listens to people other than God. They, they listen to um, alumni. They listen to donors. They listen to students. Maybe, maybe they even listen to me. I'm not sure. Um, I know a couple of the people on the corporation, um, and my views have been pretty pronounced and 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 pretty uh, thoroughly uh, articulated. Um, the point is just that accountability. Accountability uh, works, and it worked um, in the decision uh, to force the resignation of uh, President Gay, who apparently didn't want to uh, resign. She asked to now go back to the faculty, and there'll probably be an investigation now that she's no longer president. There should be an objective investigation about the allegations of plagiarism. Personally, I hope they rule in her favor. I hope. I hope the facts are supportive. I don't want to pile on. Um, I met her. I like her personally. I don't like what she has done in many instances, but I, I'm not a bully. I don't believe in piling on. So the facts have to determine the outcome. But I'm in favor of a three or five person commission, um, maybe former presidents of universities or distinguished scholars, people who don't know gay, who have no connection to Harvard, who have uh, no dog in the fight, uh, who look at every one of the allegations, because I've looked at some of them, and they vary in seriousness. Some of them are trivial. Um, some of them are quite serious. Now, before you say they're disqualifyingly serious. You have to really look at things and uh, read everything and go back and read the original research and see how close it, it comes. And uh, I'm in favor of that. And I'm in favor of letting the chips fall where they may. My prediction is uh, she'll stay on as a professor, but obviously she's been wounded. Um, I'm sure she wishes she was never picked as president. I too wish she had never been picked as president. But maybe this will be a watershed moment. Maybe finally universities will realize the incredible overreaction to the killing of George Floyd. This reckoning has destroyed universities. Um, uh, we have abolished meritocracy. We have abolished grades. How do you prove your self-worth in a system where you're not evaluated except on things that are beyond your control, your color, um, you know, your ethnicity, uh, your gender? Uh, that's identity politics. Identity politics encourages uh, not working as hard as you could otherwise work. If you're going to be judged by who you are, not by what you're doing or what you've done, why do? Uh, it's much more fun to go, you know, drinking and carousing than to sit in a stuffy library and and and, and read old books. Uh, but uh, uh, if you want to get somewhere. You know, you should have to read the old books. Look, I've said this before, and I'll say it again one more time. I'll try not to repeat it again because it's a little self-serving. But everybody's philosophy in turn really 
at least grows in part on their autobiography. I think of myself. I came to Yale Law School. I was taken off the waiting list. It was predicted I would have a C average. Um, nobody in my family could advise me on anything. Um, I was the first person in my family to go to college. I had nobody in my family who knew anybody of importance. Um, if I was going to make it um, in a competition against all these Mayflower descendants who were in my class, uh, you know, the, the son of the DuPont fortune, uh, the sons of two justices of the Supreme Court. I say sons because back in the day, there were six women out of 175 um, people in my, in my class. So women, too had to prove themselves. And how do you prove yourself against that kind of, if you have no grades, of course, all the jobs will go to the people with the fancy backgrounds and, and, and with the contacts. But if you could do better than those people, maybe you have a chance of getting a job. Notwithstanding the fact that I was first in my class and editor in chief of the law journal, I was like the, the NBA first draft choice in terms of meritocracy, but I got turned down by 32 out of 32 Wall Street firms because my name was Dershowitz and I came from Brooklyn and my family were, you know, Polish Jews by origin. What did I have going for me except a good brain? Uh, but with grades, a good brain was enough. It didn't get me a job on Wall Street, but it got me a Supreme Court clerkship and it got me an appointment at Harvard. I was actually appointed, uh, given the job when I was like 24 years old. Um, I could only do that if there was a meritocracy. Um, and many others, this, the same thing. Many women I know managed to um, overcome the sexism that was pervasive in the legal profession um, by, by getting really good grades. Um, but now they want to abolish grades or they want to give everybody A's, which is the same thing as abolishing grades. Um, if everybody gets an A, nobody gets an A. And that's part of the attack on meritocracy. And the DEI, intersectionality, uh, all opposes meritocracy because meritocracy is the, is the exact opposite of DEI. Meritocracy says Martin Luther King was right. You judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character and their hard work and their accomplishments. And that's what I'd love to see Harvard go back to. Will it? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. If the same corporation that made the mistake of appointing a gay now gets a chance to appoint somebody else in gay's image, nothing will have been learned. Uh, I think Harvard needs structural reforms about how the corporation gets selected and how the boards of overseers get selected. Uh, there has to be um, more accountability. And, you know, in, in, in the days before this watershed, perhaps, moment, um, the president would be a major factor in selecting who was on the corporation, which then selected the president. It was an inside game, inside baseball, but with, uh, you know, major, major stakes. And so let's see if that, if that continues to, to operate or if Harvard learns a lesson. You know, the Harvard Corporation has learned that it has to listen. It has to listen. Um, you know, that all started with um, the, the, the famous families, the lodges and the Others, uh, they would say so-and-so listens to only so-and-so, listens to Lodge, and Henry Cabot Lodge listens only to God. And that is what happened to the corporation. I remember when I was up for tenure, um, I had to meet the corporation. In those days, they were all white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, um, all white, all male. 
um, that has changed. Uh, um, and the pendulum has swung very far. And, you know, in America, we do see very wide pendulum swings, but sometimes the pendulum can settle somewhere closer to the center. And people don't know this about me unless they watch my podcast. I'm really a centrist. Um, I'm boringly consistent. Um, I try very hard to operate on the same principles. I'm not Groucho Marx, who said, if you don't like my principles, I have others. Uh, no, I, if you don't like my principles, then don't like me because I am my principles. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that that sense of principle gets restored to Harvard. And uh, we see a time when people are judged by the content of their character. Or people are judged by their accomplishments. It's still true to some degree in STEM and science, technology, engineering, and math, much less true in the social uh, sciences and uh, other of the more subjective um, uh, academic disciplines. Um, and, you know, Harvard has some great professors. Um, it also has some real duds. Um, I was shocked when I got to Harvard Law School uh, about how many mediocrities there were on the faculty. Um, and among the students, uh, there were also brilliant, brilliant people uh, on the faculty, some of them not really appreciated. Um, and the ones who were appreciated ten tended to be the will go along to get along types. Um, a little bit the same with the students. But of course, when I started teaching at Harvard, it was pure meritocracy. Uh, grading became blind very quickly thereafter. You couldn't see who the name of the student was. And the grades were very tough. I mean, I think 80 was the highest. I think Brandeis got the highest grades in the history of Harvard, and he had like an 84 average. Um, and um, uh, grading was very tough. But um, you knew where you stood uh, in the hierarchy based on your academic achievements. And I don't believe in grades alone. I think some people are good at, at grades. Some people have more of an emotional intelligence. So when I say meritocracy, I really mean a meritocracy very broadly defined, not just defined by the narrowness of grades or IQ, but a broad definition of meritocracy. But in the end, people should be judged on the merits. That's what meritocracy means. And judging you based on factors that are beyond your control, your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, um, that's the opposite of meritocracy. So. Today's a good day. Uh, starts out as a good day, and um, we'll see where it where it ends up. We'll see whether or not it it moves forward and 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 results in a major and fundamental change in educational policy. I hope it does, but I'm not not necessarily optimistic. Maybe not. Maybe not in my lifetime. Uh, maybe in your lifetime. Uh, it'll be a long term process, but. Uh, but we'll see. But um, I, I, I'm happy with the result today. Uh, I anticipated it. I thought maybe it would take a little longer, but um, better better late um, or early than never. And so Harvard is in a better place today than it was yesterday. Okay, let's look at some letters. Uh, let's see, do we have any current letters? Harvard needs leadership with objective perspective. I agree with that. Uh, this doesn't mean anything. Only that DEI will be vetted for anti-Semitism more. Well, that's something. Uh, Harvard will probably choose another diversity hire. We'll see. We'll see. Um, 
Um, I'm not sure. Um, but here are letters that probably reflect yesterday's news rather than today's news. One thing I would ask to Israel is why were so many people not armed? When you are living right next to your enemy, why are you not armed? Bomb shelters do no good with unarmed people inside and armed people outside. I think a lot of Israelis uh, have bought guns. Uh, you know, Israel has some pretty tough um, gun laws. Um, and um, there are high, high crime rates in certain areas of, of Israel. Um, and um, we'll see. Um, I think a lot of people have, have bought guns. Um, I have cousins who are in the military and they have guns. Uh, those guns were, of course, part of given to them by the military and subject to military control. But you're absolutely right. If there had been armed people at the kibbutzim, probably some of them would be alive today. One can't be sure. Alice Walker, I'm shocked and disappointed. Well, I am neither shocked nor disappointed. Um, I am outraged at the fact that she gets a pass. If there were an Alice Walker uh, who was white and of the right, and who said similar things about other groups, as she says about Jews, um, she would be canceled. I'm not in favor of canceling, but I am in favor of treating a black racist and anti-Semite the same way that I would treat a white uh, racist uh, or anti-Semite. So I am not shocked, I'm not disappointed, but I'm outraged, and I, I, I hope people will hold her to account. So far, they haven't. She's gotten all the honors. She was you know, welcomed at the White House, and um, uh, she shouldn't have been. Okay. You might be an anti-Semite if you've been calling out Israel for the Hamas war, in which Israel has made a greater effort to protect civilians than any other conflict in history, while saying nothing about the six other ongoing wars around the world that have caused uh, thousands, tens of thousands of direct violent deaths this year alone and 100,000 uh, deaths overall. Well, because this is my podcast, I guess I have an obligation to mention this thing. I, I have to be very careful about it. But it was all over the Israeli news today that um, the Israeli government has um, mentioned me as a possible person to argue in, on behalf of Israel and the International uh, Criminal Court. I cannot comment on that. Um, uh, Haaretz, this hard left newspaper that I have been opposed to for years and have been attacking for years, uh, wrote up uh, an op-ed saying I shouldn't represent Israel because I've represented people like O.J. Simpson and, um, and, and they'd be better off getting uh, someone um, I don't know who else, but um, so there's some opposition um, to my uh, possibly being appointed. I can't comment beyond that, of course, and I can't comment about whether I've been asked or whether if asked, I've agreed. I just uh, I mentioned that the reports have been in the papers. Um, as I've said before, if I were 25 years old, I think I'd be volunteering um, to join the Israeli army to uh, fight for uh, the nation state of the Jewish people, I'm not 25, I'm 85. And um, if I were asked to do something that I thought I could do to be helpful um, to Israel, of course, I would, uh, I would jump at the opportunity. Maybe in future podcasts, I can say more, but right now I've said all I can say. Um, okay. 
Muslims killing Muslims and the world doesn't care unless they can blame Israel. That about sums it up. I had a piece in um, a newspaper, I think it was the Daily News yesterday, that uh, made that point and documents how many cases around the world where Muslim kill Muslims and you never see a, a dead baby or a bleeding baby on television. It's only when the dead baby is a Palestinian who's been killed by a Jewish rocket that that becomes uh, the lead. If it bleeds, it bleeds. And if it bleeds from a Jewish rocket, it leads even more. So I, I tend to agree with that. All right, here's one. Dershowitz is on the Epstein flight logs 15 times. Probably more. I was his lawyer. Um, I flew down on his plane probably more like four or five times when I was representing him. I was never on any airplane with any young person or uh, never flew on his Lolita Express to his island, none of that. Of course, I, I was on his plane. In fact, I was the one who asked for all these disclosures to be made because I know that they will prove what I've been saying since the beginning of time. And uh, as you know, the woman who accused me has now admitted that uh, she may have uh, mistaken me for somebody else and withdrawn all the charges against me. So I'm happy that all these things are coming out. Of course, my name will be mentioned. I was his lawyer. Uh, I also, you know, was at seminars at Harvard, along with the president of Harvard and winners of all kinds of prizes. Uh, we were all there. None of us had any idea about his um, private life. And once his private life become a matter of record, I ceased um, any any relationship with him except the, those that were professionally obligated. Um, so I welcome the disclosure. I hope all, everything is disclosed. And I hope the judge doesn't just selectively pick and choose what she wants to disclose. Uh, I want to see everything disclosed, no secrets. Let everything be out there. That's my that's been my position from the beginning. Oh, here's one that's you, you can't you can't you can't make this stuff up. World War One, Two, II, and Three, according to Albert Pike, was planned as far back as 1871 by the Zionist bankers. There weren't even Zionists in 1871. Herzl wrote his book in 1896. Um, uh, we were never taught in history classes that the Jewish-led communist Bolsheviks were mass-murdering Germans living in Danzig. It was nonsense stuff. People actually believe this. They do, and they write to me about it. Anti-Semitism is alive and well in the world, and uh, good people have to fight it. No matter what your religion or lack of religion, good people have to fight bigotry of all kinds. So I hope you'll join me in fighting against uh, bigotry, including fighting against bigotry against Jews. See you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.